Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 134, two shows in two weeks. I, I feel like we have our mojo back. I feel good. Or I'm wicked hungover from Thanksgiving weekend. Also possible. More than possible. That's a <laughs> thing that is happening right now. This beer is going to be the only thing that keeps me going for the remainder of the day. What kind of beer is that? Uh, this is fine. Berkshire Brewing Company, Steel Rail. Pe- I, really, I got to find out if they have a Facebook page or something. It's just like, <laughs> look, just sponsor, just send me a 12-pack for the show. That's all I ask. <laughs> Weekly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that, that's a good motivator. We'll start going daily. And they start sending me, wake up, we have to do the show. Oh, I'm asleep. No, free beer. <laughs> gotta go to work. This is my life now. I drink this beer and I talk about it on the podcast. That's what I do. Oh, God. <laughs> I better check to see if we won Powerball yesterday. This I don't is not going to be did. a sustainable model. I don't feel any richer. No, I think uh, somebody in Tennessee won. Oh. There was only one winning ticket. Yeah, screw Tennessee. No, I don't. That's. <laughs> I only say that because my brother lived there for a while. There you go. Uh, but yeah, it was a Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States, and it's it's a weird kind of thing. I don't. You lived in England for a while. Is there anything even remotely similar? Christmas. To- <laughs> <laughs> we have Christmas. That's a different thing. There might have been. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it's just a sort of a, an arbitrary. It's not even a three day weekend. It's like a, oh no, four day weekend. I don't for, know, honestly. For everybody who doesn't work in retail. Those people are fucked because I had of to Black work, Friday. Well, I was, I was in retail when I lived over there. So, so. you would have been fucked. Yeah. Like, but, I worked New Year's Eve. It was <laughs> yeah, it's a, basically everything shuts down sort of on Tuesday. You go to work on Wednesday. Maybe. I worked, <laughs> I worked from home. Yeah, I had a In half air day. quotes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I turned my computer on and then I did other shit. Yeah. But either you have to travel... To be with your whole family or your family travels with to see you, we're kind of lucky in that just your mom comes to us. Yeah. Because the rest of my family is way the hell away from Boston. And apparently the, the rest of my family had some sort of get together today uh, because you know, people at this point are all at the stage where they have their own families. So getting together on the day of is more challenging because they're doing their own tricky things. Well, it's, it becomes a negotiation. You know, who's going to go where and whose turn is it to do what? And again, we're really fortunate in that, yeah, it's just your mom shows up, period, we're done. Yeah. But, and that's yeah. really only because in the last couple of years, she's downsized into apartments where the kitchen is of a size that it does not make sense to host things. Plus, she's got, well, she's had cats. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, she does not hire uh, a maid service the way that we do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, she comes here. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, now. Now. It took a while to convince her, but now. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, and it's, you're, you're supposed to give thanks, but really about half of everybody is angry at the other half for reasons. And There's always I'm, reasons. I, I'm fairly certain that just about everybody at, in the United States at this point, if you ask them, we'll tell you that, oh yeah, somewhere in there, I'm like a 16th Cherokee or something. So then you're self-loathing. Oh, not me. <laughs> not me. Uh, yeah, my dad swears, oh, you're like an eighth, whatever. I'm like, well, in, until I get my casino check, I think you're full of shit. <laughs> so send me that casino money and we'll talk. Otherwise, yeah, no. <laughs> but it, yeah, everybody, everybody's angry at everybody else. And there's booze. 
<laughs> so it's it, and the reasons go from politics. That's a big thing in all the newspapers. Oh, how not to talk politics? Uh, yeah, there's nothing in the newspaper to say. Oh, yeah, the my brother fucked my girlfriend back in high school, and there's nothing to deal with that. Or you know, you got forty bucks more in the inheritance when grandma kicked off, and so there's just hate yeah. all around the table. You're giving thanks that everybody just has a butter knife, or it would be a bloodbath. And the booze flows, and you pray for the football game or the first Christmas movie on Lifetime. Just oh, yeah, something. we didn't do that. Usually we, we watch the, uh, maybe it's not today, or not, wasn't Thursday. I don't, there's like the Christmas story marathon. Is that? No, that's on Christmas Eve and okay. Christmas Day. All right. Yeah, they don't, I, I, I can't handle that yet. <laughs> I need to actually be at Christmas before, uh, not my mom. My mom had the Christmas tree up and was sending me pictures Oh God! You know, as we were finishing dinner on Thanksgiving, our fake Christmas tree is uh, in an inaccessible space in the garage right now because of the wood pellets. Uh, that's <laughs> that's okay. If I hear that fucking woodpecker again, I'm taking his tree and we're just gonna put it up <laughs> in the fucking living room as a trophy. That but, works. That works. But and then so yeah, just hatred, <laughs> drunken <laughs> hatred, and you eat so much that you can't get off the couch to to give the shiv to cousin. <laughs> Cousin Billy, who you, you think was grifting off Grandma <laughs> as the as the dementia took hold. Wow! Yeah, I um, <laughs> we got a good Thanksgiving. Our Thanksgiving was relatively tame. <laughs> here. Uh, yeah, so we even kept the politics to a minimum, which is nice. Yeah, and uh, but also we're smart enough. And then for most families, it's yeah. After just this rage, you've just roiling rage. I, I firmly believe Black Friday is not a thing there. To get deals, it's a way to disperse. Just everyone get the fuck out. <laughs> you go to Walmart. You go to Best Buy. It's just we'll regroup. That, yeah, later. Take, Next, take your aggressions out on the other people there for the doorbusters. <laughs> That's why the doorbuster <laughs> fights happen. It's like because you can't shank mom in the armpit with a, with a gourmet with a, a Barbie with a fondue fork. <laughs> Yeah, but that prick who grabs the last Rom Space Night or whatever the kids are after this time. Hatchlings. Yeah, fuck that guy. He took my hatchling. What the fuck is a hatchling? It's like um, a Furby and a Tamagotchi had a frightening baby. (laughs) And it actually comes in an egg that will hatch. It was wrong and you knew it. (laughs) I'm just telling you what the television told me. And apparently they're the hot new seasonal... Uh, winter Christmas item and nobody can find them. So they're, they're rare like unicorns. You know, I think I'll uh, look. I've seen things you people with Amazon wouldn't believe. <laughs> I've seen attack cabbage cat patch kids on fire off the shoulder of Caldor. <laughs> I remember the lines for the cabbage patch kids back in the day. I yeah. never got one, but the <laughs> me neither because you know testes. But <laughs> <laughs> well, they had boy ones. Yeah, but I had testes. <laughs> it's. <laughs> The, the the guys in junior high with the Cabbage Patch kids, you didn't have to worry about them on the dating chain. <laughs> True, I I never really understood the appeal. You know, bitterness for never having gotten one when they were the hot thing aside. And I, they just they seem creepy as fuck. Just <laughs> yeah, some sort of weird clone like. Science or God give their brain a half stir. It's like love me. <laughs> Yeah, and they all, you know, they all had a backstory. It made you really wonder if, you know, this really was Barbara Ann, and, you know, she died, and her soul lives in this doll now. Screaming for release. <laughs> <Yeah>. Just <laughs> praying, throw me in the fireplace, kill me. Yeah. 
creepy. See, the toys I had to deal with, and we've done shows about toys with, with old commercials and shit. I should dig those back up and re-listen to that episode. But yeah, none of the toys I wanted were of the ones that people would you know go to war over. I don't think. I don't recall my dad coming home with any fresh wounds and a big Millennium Falcon-sized bag under his arm. No, see, my memories would then have to involve people coming home with toys. <laughs> no, don't oh, play Sad yeah. Hulk. You don't... <laughs> Please go on. No, I just we, we've been through this before. I didn't get a lot of, in the way of toys. Here, have these corduroys. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> All right, there we go. Have a book. I got books. Have a nightgown. It might be flammable. I did not. <laughs> Here, wear this and make pancakes. Let's find out. <laughs> That's where it's good to be the oldest sibling because the let's find it that might be flammable was followed by let's find out as somebody flicks matches at you. Go out in the backyard. We don't want you to burn the kitchen. It's <laughs> probably a reason my sister lives in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we don't have to deal with it. Yeah, I don't think any of my toys were on the endangered species list. It's uh, the biggest one I remember getting was, yeah, when I was like nine years old, was the, the big Millennium Falcon playset. Mm. I think that was my biggest Christmas gift. There were bikes and stuff like that, but you know, dad didn't have to go out and boot some ass for a tickle me Grover or whatever would have been around <laughs> at the time. Tickle me Grover sounds like a felony. <laughs> Fist me Elmo. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, at least we got off a little light. You know, your mom came and yeah, we had to deal with <laughs> a certain amount of political talk, which we do not do on this show. Thank God. No. Yeah, we didn't have to do Black Friday. We just got savagely drunk for a couple days. It was pretty sweet, actually. It's all right. It's so, all right. We, we we made it out of the house a couple of times. We're, did we? Yeah. Was I blacked out? We were at a bar last night. Oh, that explains it. <laughs> that explains everything. I, <laughs> uh, that's why I can't stop my hands from shaking. <laughs> I think Friday we made it out of the house, too. Uh, were we trying to escape your mom? We went to the bar. We, <laughs> so we didn't accomplish very much over this long weekend. but uh, We went to two different bars. I mean, that's, a, that's not an accomplishment. <laughs> that's... That's just a matter of free time lining up. We would do yes. that every day if the time allotted itself. Yes. Yeah, so if you're recovering from Thanksgiving, more like the one I described, uh, good luck this week. <laughs> um, There's still time to change the will. Uh, yeah, do it now. Do it quickly because people are calling lawyers fast. <laughs> the The cool thing is, and this has been the cool thing for for a long time, whenever there was a holiday, it fucked up the, the comic distribution Timing, yes, because there were. I remember a lot of whenever there's a holiday, we we'd get uh, the emails or on the blog from our local comic store. It's like, oh no, the books will be here uh, a week from Tuesday. Yeah, uh, half of them will arrive on Monday, and uh, that really doesn't happen anymore. All the books are there on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. The owner was itching to get the fuck out. He's like, do your lap, get your books, and get out of here, <laughs> which is unusual. <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, everybody, else, all the all the other regulars came because they had to travel. You just have one person come and get your books and get out because I got a rage giving that I have to deal with at home <laughs> like you're going to talk about on your show and I need to bolster myself with whiskey. Mm. So so yeah, but we we got all our books so we're ready to talk about them. Do you want to start with Civil War II? <laughs> it seems right after talking about Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I'm, I'm sensing there's going to be a more satisfying ending to everybody's Thanksgiving than there is going to be for Civil War II. Yeah, this is This is finally the week where we had not only a Civil War II issue, number seven, but a couple of other issues with Captain Marvel where clearly the original scheduling was Civil War II is supposed to be over by now. 
Right. It's it got delayed, and Bendis said, "I thought of a new ending, and let me add an issue." So we're starting to really see where things are going to be in the Marvel universe at the end of Civil War Two, and I'm upset. I don't don't like it. I yeah. don't like it. The fact that uh, it doesn't appear that Carol Danvers will be frog marched somewhere, yeah, is uh, problematic. Yeah, on a variety no, of levels. No, nobody's gonna put the. Uh, we'll we'll start by saying there's going to be uh, spoilers for all the book. We're sort of gonna come. We'll start by talking about Civil War Two, Number Seven, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez and Andrea Sorrentino. But also in here, we're gonna talk about Captain Marvel Ten, written by uh, Ruth Fletcher and Christos Gage. Uh, Ruth Fletcher Gage and Christos Gage, art by uh, Tony Silas. What kind of parents would name their kid that? It's got a TH. I think I said that about the last Captain Marvel episode we talked about. And uh, The Ultimates 2, number one, uh, written by Al Ewing and art by Travel Foreman. But why don't we start with Civil War 2? We finally got the groundwork for the big battle between Spider-Man and Captain America on the steps of the Capitol, which is only there so that Bendis could put one of his minor but favorite characters front and center at a Marvel event. I feel like they should have just made this issue just repeated panels of Spider-Man waiting and <laughs> just played the Jeopardy theme. Just <laughs> Like in, in Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Where Batman just spends like 45 minutes standing by... <laughs> Standing by the bat signal going, shit, should have pissed before I did this. <laughs> because really all this, uh, this entire issue is Tom Brevoort and Will Moss going, stretch, Bendis, stretch. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like a certain amount of that. Uh, yeah, and how much of that came from editorial and how much of it came from Bendis saying, I got this new ending and trying to figure out how to bolt it on to whatever he had originally started. I have no idea, but. Yeah, if somebody out there wants to like mock this up, seriously, just just you know, point your phone and hit record of the picture of Miles waiting on the steps of the Capitol and then just just run the Jeopardy theme under it on hey, a loop. You don't even, need the, <laughs> don't even need the Jeopardy theme. We'll provide the music Shh, just for a second. Don't laugh at it. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Just just email us if you need that whole clip. We'll send it to you. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot of Spider-Man and Captain America talking. Uh, Ulysses had a vision uh, of the future uh, being the world of old man Logan, mm-hmm. which means Mark Millar now can buy another fucking Aston Martin and pretend he's James Bond or whatever he does while he's at home. Well, good for him. <laughs> now we've, we've got Captain Marvel showing up to preemptively arrest people and spoilers, fucking murder Iron Man. Yeah, which means that somewhere Brie Larson is really going to fire her fucking agent, I think. (laughs) So, yes, this is sort of the Flashpoint event, and then I guess we just get aftermath after this. For a Flashpoint issue with the huge final climactic moment, it really didn't feel like a lot fucking happened in this book. No. Some things happened. It, It was like people talking and then moments of sudden catastrophic fucking violence. Yeah. In like two or three panels. Like even the final battle between Captain Marvel and Iron Man was three pages and I counted it four, no, it was four pages, but one of them was a double page spread uh, and 14 panels total. That was the big climactic moment of Civil War II, at least as we know at this moment. Right, (laughs) right. Now we've got uh, Wolverine killing uh, one of the Hulk kids in the flash forward from Old Man Logan. That was like two panels. Uh, what else? To, yeah, but that's really about it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it's 
Ulysses talking to old man Logan and Captain Marvel talking to Maria Hill and Spider-Man talking to Captain America and Captain Marvel talking to Spider-Man and then big explosive violence. Right. So it's, it just, the pacing felt really fucking weird considering, yeah, this should be the money shot. This is the final, this is the moment of Captain America realizing, oh Jesus, the battle is lost in the first civil war. But with that, we got the awesome scene of Spider-Man going after Mr. Fantastic and right. Mr. Fantastic saying spectacular and <laughs> Spider-Man saying amazing or vice versa. I think I fucked that up. But either way, you got some bang for your Civil War buck. Right. Yeah. Whereas this is, uh, you, you get a, a cover with yet another artist obsessed with Carol Danvers' crotch. So much crotch. It's like, it's like you, know, you know what I think I should draw attention to? She's got some childbearing hips. <laughs> Uh, that woman, if she chose to, you know, retire and, and have some kids, she'd do all right. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, no, it's just that that seems to be like it, it, lately when people are drawing her, they they just decide to go straight to the lower third of her body. Yeah, I, I was focused more on the giant sort of crotchal area as yeah. opposed to the hips, but well, sure. it's all part of the pelvic region. Uh, okay. There's a lot of pelvic region on this cover, is what you're trying to say. Yes, there is. Okay. There is. Yeah, it's it's like the, the cover to that, uh, what did we talk about a couple months ago? Power Man and Iron Fist? Yeah. Uh, that was like also like two-thirds crotch. Yeah, and, and the crotch was dead bang center on the page. <laughs> it's, it, it's, <laughs> like, it, it drew the eye harder than the worst fucking... <laughs> piece of meat pose from Hustler magazine in 1988. And the other part of it is, you know, looming in the background is, is Ulysses saying, you know, my, my vision was that I would tell you that my eyes were up here and you wouldn't care. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. That's, that's too far. <laughs> Gotta let the cover go. <laughs> it's not a good cover. <laughs> uh, it's, it's nothing special, yeah. but, but yeah, these, it seems like there have been more covers focused unilaterally on Carol Danvers' crotch yeah. than I would expect from a family comic company. Yeah. What would Disney say? <laughs> Disney, Give me the money. Disney would say, <laughs> really? You just killed the guy played by Robert Downey Jr. who makes all our money? Really, you did that? <laughs> yeah. So the pacing, yeah, was all screwed up. This entire series feels like there's been weird... Just weird pacing. It's uh, we'll 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 have the Hulk and we'll just murder him without him actually doing anything. And you know, oh, it's a big battle with Thanos, and that's even that's just two or three pages because since they know what's coming, it's just a Bing Bang. Let's wrap them up. Right. Yeah, we had one big battle sequence. Uh, was it two issues ago? I think so. That sounds right. Because that's when yeah, the big battle, and then Ulysses had his vision of Spider-Man killing Captain America that brought everything to a halt. Well. So that we could have two months of issues yeah. of Spider-Man getting ready to go to the Capitol. But did we see him actually killing Captain America, or did we just see him like holding a lifeless Captain America? I mean, that's uh, that big thing at the beginning, the big page uh, that was also in, I forget which book, last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all we get. Because this, to me, says this could be the aftermath of whatever friggin' battle Tony and oh, Carol are having. Make no mistake. Uh, I, it has occurred to me that, yes, Captain America... Well, <laughs> how many fucking Avengers can you kill in Civil War Two? How much time you got? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that thought has occurred to me, that it's really the aftermath of Captain Marvel versus Captain America, which just makes it friggin' worse. Yeah. Before we get too far into Captain Marvel... 
and how just cynical clearly Bendis is about America and how we deal with things that we see or are told. Not that he's necessarily wrong, but it's a fucking superhero funny book. There were a couple of things in this book that actually worked for me. The main one was Spider-Man when he was talking with the DC cops. Yeah. Because that was old school, like Peter Parker. <laughs> it's like, you put your hands on your head and take off your mask. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming by. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, the the increase of the stakes that the aftermath of this will lead to the world of Old Man Logan and will literally be just about the end of the world mm. made everything feel a little more consequential than it even did, which initially I thought, okay, cool, that makes a difference. And then the more I thought about it, it's like, well, then with what we see in this and what we see as the aftermath being, I don't know how you get out of this. What What Bendis has done to the Marvel Universe and to Captain Marvel is so goddamn nearly reprehensible. Oh, oh no, wait, I can answer that. Okay, go ahead. The seeds to that can be found in Ultimates 2, issue number one. Okay. Where, spoilers, the Ultimates get the band back together. Which I'm okay with, because up until Civil War started to warm its way into it. This is one of my favorite books from post-Secret Wars. Hmm. And with a twist that you perhaps did not see coming, they are enlisted to do this by Ms. America Chavez on behalf of Galactus, who is now the life bringer, not the world eater. Well, yeah, but that all happened in the first Ultimate series. But my point is, if the world is in a place where it's past the point of no return and his power is now to be able to give life to worlds... I hadn't I hadn't thought that far ahead. That there's, makes there's your reset button. It shouldn't need a reset button. We just had a fucking reset button. It I, was called Secret Wars, and I lived with that shit for three fucking years, it feels like. <laughs> I don't disagree, but I'm saying that's probably where the reset button is. My God, did Marvel did Marvel do what they did after New 52 and say, we got to get us a piece of that? <laughs> Looking at Rebirth and say, we just rebooted. We better reboot again. Oh, if they fucking did that, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I can't take it. But yeah, I suppose that's a reset button. But yeah, it, what, learning from this that the stakes of Civil War II are the end of the world and the implication, at least that I took from Civil War II number seven was if things progress in the way that Ulysses has seen, which it seems that they are, it means the end of the world, which means that Captain Marvel in killing Iron Man, again, killing a founding member of the Avengers... The second one in, in this right. event. Um, is going to destroy the world. And based on what we're seeing in these other books, the Marvel Universe makes her a hero for it. And possibly a third one if, in fact, the the fallout from this battle kills Steve Rogers. Oh, she's killed. There have been a lot of Avengers killed on her watch. Yeah. it's Yeah, we've got the Hulk. Rhodey. Rhodey, War Machine. She-Hulk almost killed. Yep. Uh, and it looks like she's coming back as a Grey Hulk. Yes. Yes. Uh, Iron Man. Uh, there's one, one, or one or two others. Uh, probably. So, <laughs> so yeah, to, stomping all over the Constitution, the first, fourth, fifth, and 14 amendments. Fuck that shit. We'll just seize people and put them in a room. Habeas corpus. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> she fucked the Magna Carta. 
<laughs> yeah. That's villain level shit. Yeah. You put people in, in yeah. the negative zone for that. That's Prince John from like Robin Hood shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, even just in this issue, is there anything that she does that's really defensible? No. She mobilizes S.H.I.E.L.D. to arrest Spider-Man for standing on some fucking steps. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrote down everything that pissed me off in this issue. She seizes control of local law enforcement to take over the crime of standing on some fucking steps. Yeah, Miles' only crime is standing while brown. Like, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, well, all right, yeah, everybody saw him under his mask, but that doesn't have anything to really... Just saying. <laughs> it's it's possible. I don't, I don't want to be political on this show, but... Here's a question I had. If the goal here is to avoid Spider-Man killing Captain America on the Capitol steps. Yep. And everybody is there. The scene is set. Why is taking Spider-Man into custody a better option than just letting him fucking leave? Yeah. It's a no-lose situation. If Spider-Man leaves and Captain America is not killed, Captain Marvel can still walk up the steps of the Capitol and say, see, it's because Ulysses gave us the vision we were able to... We were able to resolve it. What it doesn't let her do is say, I resolved it. Right. He just left. But it does the same thing. You know, and you could also make the same argument, and I think we have in the last couple of weeks, that they only got that far because of Ulysses' vision. Yeah. You know, I, I rarely pop off to just hang out on the steps of the Capitol to look for a fight. And I have a car and money and the right kind of <laughs> alcoholism to make going to the Capitol to pick a fight seem like a good Saturday idea. None of which Miles Morales has. So just the fact that that vision happened put everybody in there in the first place. But it's, it's it, I'm trying to... F- his, his visions also happen at times that are the worst possible time. Because yeah, everybody saw this one. And then his new evolving skill set where he can project himself into the future and... Ha- like. The, the Inhumans that were around him when that happened at the beginning of this issue, none of them saw or felt any of that. No. So, yeah, what his actual power set is, I'm still not really clear on. I can project it. It's stronger. It's weaker. I don't... Right. And, and, and this information came at a point in time where it was not going to be helpful by the time he got out of his psychic reverie and was able to communicate with other people around him again. That yeah, was just too late. Yeah. It was just as Captain Marvel was leaving the helicarrier. Right. So Ulysses is a big problem with this story because, again, what he actually is and the nature of his powers are really not clear. Right. You know, Iron Man is absolutely convinced it's just an algorithm and he figures it out. And some people seem to think that and other people think no or it doesn't matter. It's... The nature of of what he can do and why he does it just doesn't make any sense, which is great for Bendis because it means he can fucking do whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I see the the Hulk uh, eating somebody. You know, and this I can make you see this so that you take it really seriously. But this other end of the world thing, only I see that, so nobody has to take me seriously with this. And by the way, wouldn't a certain amount of my power being, you know, Jesus Christ, get Hawkeye on the phone, flip the meat at two minutes, you're going to burn the cheeseburgers, for Christ's sake. (laughs) At some point, it'd be some stupid vision. Yeah. So, yeah, as this story goes on, I'm just getting angrier and angrier. All the 
potential that it had to be about big, weighty science fiction ideas like free will, and now it's just, no, Captain Marvel's a thug, and we're going to make her the top cop because of it. Yeah. And, and Bendis has told that story before, mm-hmm. when it was Norman Osborn. Yeah. And we suffered through a fucking year of Dark Rain. Nobody looks back fondly on Dark Rain. Nobody goes, man, that was a year of comics. I loved that. Certainly, everyone must have loved it because it's not like Marvel immediately turned around and said, we're lightening everything up. The heroic age, everybody. Let's uh, just do a completely different thing. We we, we got um, Warren Ellis' Thunderbolts as part of that, at least. Thunderbolts was before that. Was that before that? Bendis oh, it took, led into it. Bendis right. took the idea of Norman Osborn being in charge of the Thunderbolts and saying, ah, I'm already doing this, right, but you right. know it would be kind of cool. So, yeah, don't don't bring Warren Ellis into uh, this. You're, you're right, you're right. Warren Ellis has many crimes on his docket. <laughs> But Dark Reign's not one of them, <laughs> goddammit. So, yeah, it's going to be another story of somebody's a cock and they're going to get rewarded for it. But at least with Norman Osborn, it's, you knew eventually he was going to be taken down for it. And the biggest problem, I don't even remember how Dark Reign ended. I remember being pissed if anybody was going to take Spider-Man down, or Norman Osborn down. It, was it should have been Spider-Man. Spider-Man, and it wasn't. I forget who it was. I think it was Iron Man? Uh, maybe. I, I honestly don't remember. Yeah. Because it was not very good. Right. You can only watch so much of of a bad guy in charge. <laughs> I don't want to get political on this show. <laughs> but it, it's the same story. She's stomped on the Constitution. She's thrown people in jail. She's killed founding Avengers. She has now murdered Iron Man with her fucking hands. Yeah. She's supposed to be a hero. If she's rewarded for it, where's the fall? I, I don't. Uh, I'm just. I have really real problems with this. No, I, I agree. It's it's an awful story, <laughs> and it's just it's cynical. This is like the most cynical comic about how people deal with government that I think I've ever seen. And I've got three different versions of V for Vendetta in print in this house. <laughs> just the and again, Bendis has done this before. The concept that people are ruled by sound bites and security. And okay, whatever you can keep me safe. And I saw this guy do one thing that I liked. Okay, let him be in charge, and everything right. goes wrong. But it was one thing. It was Norman Osborn with Captain Marvel. You're now compounding. <laughs> you're compounding the fall that has to happen. And this is a hero that's going to headline her own fucking movie soon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a problem. When when you read superhero comics because you want to read about heroes and then you're constantly being given people who behave contrary to the nature of a hero, it, it's depressing. Yeah. <sighs> it ceases to be good escapist fantasy. Yeah, and I don't need to be pandered to. I don't need to have my hand held and... No, I'm, I'm 45. I'm not five years old. I don't need to see the good guy win all the time, but this is a particular egregious misguided set of actions from somebody who Marvel is trying very hard to turn into and successfully no thanks to Civil War 2 turn into an A-list character yeah that can carry her own movie and I don't see how you get out of this yeah and then going into yeah Captain Marvel uh, 10 where the, the adulation is happening at the end of it she's like by god I just have to go out there and and earn it it's like well earn what <laughs> in this, in and, just this issue, yeah. And and when are you going to start? By the way, because you've been absolutely reprehensible 
for several issues across multiple books now. Yeah, you've been lying to your allies to get a one-up on an enemy. You you put your friends in shackles. Yeah. Rather than trust them. <laughs> Just the the hubris in that issue. Well, well, still at the end going, by God, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to earn this every day. It's, no, you should be fucking blown away. I feel like every time she was you know, talking about what she needed to do to capture um, the the fake Philippe Below or whatever his name's supposed to be. Oh, um, he's, uh, his villain name is actually Master of the World. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Every time she <laughs> talked about that, I, I feel like she should have ended every sentence with, ain't I a stinker? Like, just... <laughs> Yeah. Had, to, had to put you in shackles. Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just, it, it's horrible. And all through uh, Ultimates 2, number one, you know, how can I trust you, the Black Panther? I was going to put Captain, I was going to put Spider-Man in a room for a few days. It's a, Think about what you just fucking said. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were going to hold him without cause. <laughs> yeah, without cause, legal representation, nothing. Parent. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> minor. Sorry for the dead air. I need a beer. It's It's okay. I was going for my water bottle at the same time. I I mean, let's try and speculate. What the hell? How can... I don't know how you deal with this now. Right now, as far as I'm concerned, Captain Marvel is a broken character. Captain Marvel has moved into villainy. Captain Marvel needs to be stopped. Yeah. So... There's... there's as far as I can tell, no way that Civil War Two can end in any way that will somehow redeem Carol Danvers. There, there is nothing that can be done at this point. I mean, clearly, Bendis has some idea of how she'll be redeemed for the general public, who seem to worship her as unto a god. Yeah, despite her actions, which have been so fucking egregious. And the, the best I can figure is, you know, look, with the right spin, people will... At least I can see this is Bendis's opinion, and I can see a certain parallel in modern America, modern Europe, hell, the modern world, I guess. But the idea that people will accept the idea that you have kept them safe no matter what you've done, and they'll thank you for it. So if it can be spun, Hawkeye murdered Bruce Banner. But yes. it was spun with the right, you know, oh, no, this was a mercy killing. He asked me to do it. Uh, so twelve people let him walk. Yeah, and also they're weighing it against you know how how easy it is to spin the Hulk, despite all of the good he's done, um, against the the bad and the collateral damage that the Hulk has done when he's been on rampages. Yeah, and I'd imagine even in the Marvel universe, the <laughs> the odds you'll get killed by the Hulk are probably around the same that you'll be blown up by a terrorist. It's a thing that happens. It's a non-zero chance, mm-hmm. but. You know, in a world where superheroes are everywhere, the the idea that the Hulk is going to come and you just can't stop him, the, the, it certainly it can happen. But it's like, it's not like the Hulk is going town to town systematically eliminating people, <laughs> right? Bounding Hulk, weep. But so, but yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, you could stop the Hulk. Yep, you're a hero. You're 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 on your way. Iron Man. It's all right. Let's let's take the Captain Marvel anti Iron Man view. Iron Man came and threw the first punch in this battle. Yes. Now, you can make the argument that he was justified, that from a distance, exactly the same arguments Captain Marvel made. From a distance, it looked like she was going to lay hands on Spider-Man, and she is a, you know, an Omega-level threat 
to some kid who can stick to walls. I had to protect him. Right. It's just as much bullshit as anything else. She was reaching out going, come on, we really, we have to get out of here. So. <laughs> yeah. I, she just doesn't come off well. But yeah, you could, if anything, it, it feels like across these three books, they're trying to make the argument that people are stupid. That people are fundamentally stupid. And if you make it dressed up in, you know, oh, this is for your own protection, they will cheerfully adulate you while you take their freedoms. Well, <laughs> I don't want to make this show political. I didn't say a word about current events. Yes. And it's a similar argument that he made with Dark Rain. Yeah. My God, take a step back and look at the subtext. Who is Captain Marvel taking over for in the United States government at the end of this? Hank Guyrich. She's not taking over for Nick Fury. No, the, yeah. the most weaselly fucking espionage bureaucrat in the Marvel Universe. Right. But how? Uh, I don't... I honestly don't know how you redeem the character at this point. Because, yeah, it appears, based on everything we've seen, she has put the Marvel Universe on a collision course with the end of the world. Yeah. That's going to have to be dealt with. Because I already own Old Man Logan. Eight issues of that shit was enough. I, I don't need <laughs> to see the whole Marvel Universe do that for a while and then some weird time travel do-over. Because we saw that with Age of Ultron and that was a suck fest. So. Yeah. Yeah, this sort of shit leads to, hey, cable's showing up. No fucking cable showing up. <laughs> no. So, I would say, what what could happen to redeem Captain Marvel at this point? Uh, I mean, turns out to be a scroll. Did it already. I know. I'm just saying, so, that's about the only thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think Exile will do it. She's, no. she's murdered members of the Avengers on the fucking capital yeah. of the United well, States the, of America. I guess that's the question, is if... In Civil War II, uh, Captain Marvel 10, she is about to take a position within the government, is how I'm reading this? Seems to be. I'm not entirely sure. There was some board, so I don't yeah. know if she's uh, in charge of S.W.O.R.D. now or... But meanwhile, in the Ultimates, she's being sent into space uh, uh, to be a herald for Galactus, because that's what the Ultimates are doing in this. Well, the <laughs> or, or, or to find new heralds. The, the FBI didn't send her into space. Well, no, but it's like, it, so where where is she? Like, do these are these things happening concurrently? Is she in space, but also running whatever board this is? Well, like, that, that's an internal continuity problem, and DC has the same problem. It's where's Lex Luthor? Is he out uh, trying to be Superman uh, the way he is in Superman, or is he? Uh, captive of his sister right like he is in uh, action comics i might be reversing those but i don't yeah. think so so th that's an internal continuity problem that's not a character problem yeah the, the character problem is uh, yeah the, the character has murdered avengers and is about to be rewarded for it and has put the marvel universe onto uh, a course of doom how do you get out of that? Right. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just is. saying it's it's harder to figure out how they're going to do that when they have her into storylines that put her in different places. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. I don't I don't know. If there's any way around that. That's serious. I, I don't. the The character's selling, so the character's going to be everywhere. Yeah. You know, same as same as Batman in DC. The same as Iron Man up until Captain Marvel murdered him. <laughs> um, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to go back through my notes because I, I went straight to the. Fucking rage part of it. <laughs> it's so easy to do. Well, it's this has been... 
I don't think Bendis should write events anymore. No. Because they aren't good. <laughs> uh, seriously, House of M, what did that get us? <laughs> no. It, uh, what else did he do? Secret Invasion, interesting concept, but he spun it directly into Dark Reign right. and just a year of shit. And Age of Ultron was just awful and used that as an excuse to get to Secret Wars, which is... Yeah, God help me. It took a long time for me to say this, but as an old 80s DC guy, I'm glad to see DC back on top. Rebirth is kicking ass. <laughs> Enjoy yes. and rebirth. Because this is just, this is awful. <laughs> it's terrible. It's not good. I mean, is, is there anything else we want to talk about on this? I guess I'm just going through my notes because. No. Yeah, I, yeah, all right. I guess the only positive, yeah, the. By the way, they, they set this up, okay, Tony Stark is dead, but he's, uh, as we saw in Invincible Iron Man number one a couple weeks ago, now he is an AI in Riri Williams' suit, which means that's great. Marvel Studios can hold on to Robert Downey Jr. and give him practical things to do, even when he's shitting in a bag or relapses <laughs> on heroin or whatever winds up. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, it's so goddamn cynical and <laughs> depressing. It is. I don't even want to do dead air. It fucking, yeah. I don't want to talk about Cap. We'll, let's let's just move on to some of these other books. We'll talk about Civil War too as it wraps up. I'm sure, but yeah, it's of of any event where I'm like, um, t- <laughs> number one, it's a sequel, and number two, it sucks. Yes. So <laughs> fuck Civil War two. There you go. <laughs> it's the final word on that. Exactly. Until the next time we talk about Civil War Two, you know, like you said, I think I, I think I said this last time. A positive to Civil War Two is uh, Watchmen do, don't appear in it anywhere. Uh, all right, <laughs> it's like tiger repellent. Why yeah. would I buy that? Oh, you see a tiger around me, son of a bitch. <laughs> so yeah, buy Civil War Two. No Watchmen in it. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've got this uh, DC Universe Rebirth book called Deathstroke. Yes, Deathstroke uh, 7, uh, written by Priest, formerly Christopher Priest. Uh, but now one name, like Madonna. Yes. Uh, art by Larry Hama, who did the breakdowns. Uh, pencils by Carlo uh, Pagulon. What kind of parents would name their kid that? But, uh, Pagulon. Okay. I'll, I'll trust your judgment better than mine at this point. I'm just so full of hate. Not but you. I'm, it's it's hard. I'm I'm really angry about it. There was such at least potential to not do a retread of Civil War, and it's certainly not a retread of Civil War. But to to turn a hero like this into a villain, I can accept that. But I know it's it's also there's gonna there has to be some kind of redemption arc, and there shouldn't be somebody who goes this fucking wrong. Somebody says, but I was just trying to do what I thought was right. Yeah, there and needs to be clearly clearly delineated consequences that she feels with punishment and then a redemption. Right. And th- that doesn't seem to be happening here. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have to get there. I, I can't see any other alternative. You can't just say, oh, and that's a thing that happened. And by the way, the movie's coming out in a week. Right. Th- there has to be something. But right now, it's just so frustrating and depressing it makes me, I don't want to read comics and get fucking angry. Right. I, I don't. It's too easy to get angry about other things. I, I know. You, you'd think, oh, we've got a podcast and a website. Of course, being angry about comics it's, <laughs> makes better radio. But no, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a stuttering moron right now. I'm, this is not good radio. I'm just pissed off. <laughs> Son of a... You just want to suck the joy out of everything. Do you like a turkey sandwich? No. No, no more turkey. <laughs> yeah. 
Bourbon. Berkshire Brewing Company, Steel Rail Pale Ale. Big turkey sandwich, lots of mayo going tonight. Okay, um, I'm lost. Uh, I'm angry, and I'm armed. <laughs> Deathstroke number seven, written by Priest. <laughs> Art by Larry Ama and uh, Carlo. What kind of parents would name their kid that? So <laughs> this is the conclusion of the first arc of Deathstroke uh, after Rebirth. Uh, where Deathstroke has realized who's behind the hit on Rose, uh, his yes. daughter, uh, who's been contacting his old team to put him into a compromising position. And let's just say there's a reason I have never been married. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say the, the one thing about this book is, you know, on Breaking Bad, you, you knew that Skylar was right to feel as she did about her husband. Because... Walter was doing awful things, but you rooted for Walter anyways. And I would find myself screaming, fuck you, Skylar. Like, I, I just, she, they, yes. <laughs> you feel that way about, about Adeline Kane, Deathstroke's yes. wife. It's just, <laughs> she's right. He's awful. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. That's probably not a bad analogy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did like the scenes between Deathstroke and Adeline, where uh, the, who's the new husband, Barry? Yeah, it's it's very much up to a point, very much an oh, the ex husband comes to to see the ex wife, and the the new husband's like, I told you not to block the driveway. You're supposed to call before you get here. And Deathstroke, you know, exchanges pleasantries, goes inside, and it immediately turns into the scene from Kill Bill with. Uh, oh, yeah. Kiddo versus uh, Vivica Fox, right. I think. <laughs> yes. Just try to kill each other in the kitchen as they're talking about their differences. And when it's finally over and they're just pointing guns in each other's face, Barry comes in, just goes straight to the fridge, grabs a beer and says, you guys about done. Like, <laughs> I-, I see this every time. It just <laughs> happens to be that these are Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so there were great scenes between the, the two of them. Great, well-written scene there. Yeah, it's... Having looked at Deathstroke since the New 52, I think you and I both agree the Kyle Higgins run was our favorite. Yes. it's. I'd put this at, at number two. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying this. Because it's... For example, um, he's the age he's supposed to be. Which does help. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have Tony Daniel having him fucking get young and grow his eye back and run around with a god killer sword so he can fuck up Wonder Woman or something. <laughs> It's a. Uh, we certainly don't have Rob Liefeld, who immediately has Slade versus Lobo. Lobo. It's a. Uh, it's bringing the. At least it was the right Lobo. Yeah. All right. We'll <laughs> give him that. It, we'll give it that. But but yeah, this has the espionage and mercenary elements back into it, at least up to a point. Yeah. You know the whole oh aging gunslinger trying to keep his edge that uh, Higgins had. We don't right. really have here, but that that was a unique interpretation. That one will still always be there. Right. No, so so for this, you get yeah. This was this was a, a bitter, acrimonious divorce, and and everything that's happened to Slade in the last several issues is specifically because Adeline is bitter. Oh yeah, is bitter. Understandably, her son got killed. Yeah, that would make me bitter. <laughs> but you know, this is you know what. Here's how I'm going to fuck you over this time. Not only am I not going to let you have access to the kids when you're supposed to for visitation, I'm going to sick Superman on you. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best part of this issue. <laughs> That's a, the, the, 
this issue, this is not a good jumping on point. No. It wraps up a whole bunch of storylines <laughs> from the first uh, six issues. You're not necessarily going to know what's going on. But yeah, the first page where it's Adeline pulling weight as a representative of the government, trying to get Superman to take Slade out. Yeah. And he's like, well, I am really consider myself a citizen of the world. And uh, well, yes, he's a killer, but soldiers are killers. And uh, Adeline's like, okay, so bottom line, if you don't do this, I'm going to send three dozen kids to their after death, him, trying. And, and they're all going to die. And uh, just a great quote, you know, you pinned on that cape, you got the S on your test, your chest, chest. do your effing job. <laughs> And poor Superman, clearly drawn very well by Carlo. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Not making eye contact. He's just, I don't want to be here. Uh, did, oh, but you've got points and uh, shit. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, Superman is a fundamentally good person. And yeah, he doesn't, even though it's a bullshit statement, because those three dozen deaths will be on her, because she'd be the one that sends them. Right. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, all right, if I can save lives and you know get this done, fine, I'll do it. However, if this was Batman or almost any of the other heroes, they were like, no, those deaths will be on you and um, I'll just see myself out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Superman, yeah, you, you can guilt him. Yeah. <laughs> you pinned on that cape. You damn fool. You're more useless than Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> this, this book did have a problem. Yes. Do, do you know what the problem is? Um, what? Fucking Jericho's in this book. <laughs> Fucking Jericho. I can't escape the son of a bitch. Three DC reboots in five years. Jericho's still around. Gosh, honey, you seem a little spun up. Oh, he's the worst character in the world. Look, Priest, he's making an effort to rehab. He's got a new costume that doesn't have the purple boots and, and, the, and the, the Seinfeld puffy pirate shirt. He doesn't have a 70s wuss fro. No, he just like, looks like an exclamation point. <laughs> yep, but you... you <laughs> It doesn't matter how hard you try, you can't wash the stink off a character who has stunk since the day he was introduced. Yeah. He's, he's not compelling. He's never, he was an angel as written by Wolfman and created by Perez, who I think had more to do with the creation, and someday he'll answer to his God for that. But, <laughs> but Oh, he's an artist, and he loves music, and he's empathetic, and he's got the, the worst hair. He's got Jerry Curl. He's a white guy with Jerry Curl, and his boots are purple with big gold bands, and Studio 54 is nowhere around. But he can look into your eyes and take over your soul. <laughs> uh, th- th- to make him interesting, they had to make him evil a couple of different ways in various reboots. And possess him by demons and fuck around with him to make anybody care about him. And yet they keep bringing him back. Yeah, and in this one, he's uh, sleeping with an old friend of, of Slade's and then lets the guy fall to his death. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, look... <laughs> Making a character bisexual doesn't give them any depth. No, it doesn't. And it's it's sort of a overused trope to make somebody seem sketchy, which... <laughs> well, which is a bullshit thing to do. Yeah. It also, it just... You know, everything that my friends and I ever said about this character on the junior high playground, it just said, yep, okay, what we said was right. <laughs> yeah. Adding to this also is Slade's contention that Adeland is working for something that is a cult. Core Policy Group is a cult. Yeah, and I don't think uh, I've read. I think all the issues leading leading up to this, I may have missed. Yeah, one. and I've, I've I've read them, and I'm I'm not I'm not sure where he's getting that, 
perhaps it's true, but if that's the case, it makes it that much more concerning because Joseph works for it. Joseph's fiance works for it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's. I don't know what the basis is. I should have Googled it before we started the show, but yeah. I was just filled with hate. Well, I mean, Jesus, Rage. in one week, I've got Captain Marvel killing Iron Man and being made a hero for it. And fucking Jericho. I can, I can only <laughs> handle so much. God damn it. Now put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. Anyway. Yeah, so, so Jericho gets this suit from the guy that he used to be sleeping with that wanted to tell his father about them. Um, and he couldn't have that because he had actually, he's got a fiance also. <laughs> yeah. And he's choosing the fiance over the lover. So he lets the guy fall to his death, conveniently then taking the guy's super suit. <laughs> yes. So yeah, now not only, it shows how desperate you have to be to try to do something with Jericho. The great additions that Priest, who is doing a good job on this book, has given to Jericho is haircut. <laughs> better looking suit bisexual flies and bluetooth literally bluetooth now he's got this subdermal mic that will talk with bluetooth to your to your douche piece that you put in your ear so that now he doesn't have to do sign language anymore right to try to make jericho cool they had to give him bluetooth <laughs> Want to want to communicate with Jericho? There's an app for that. <laughs> That's how ridiculous that is. How are you going to make Jericho better for the 21st century? I'm going to give him Bluetooth. Son of a bitch, get Priest a contract. That's the best idea I ever heard. That's great. You know, I, I can I can use Chromecast now to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Jericho diminishes everything he touches. <laughs> I like this book, but it's got fucking Jericho. That's a problem. <laughs> So yeah, that's Skyfall to his death. But then he uses his newfound superpowers with this suit to save a couple of kids from a burning building because that balances things. Sure, uh, two kids for one murdered guy. Well, that's sure. Fine. That that's uh, he's one ahead. Children of the future. Now he can go kill a guy. <laughs> he's one ahead. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, it, I do I do like this book. Yeah, no, I, I like it too. I like it too. I think I got a little bit confused at the end with Hosun and who was sending him the text message. It looks like Etienne is sending it. Uh, that's that's how I took it, yeah. But when he looks at it, he his response is, Mommy? <laughs> <laughs> Which would mean that Etienne had Hosun really young. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm trying to remember if there's any reason Hosun could... When I, the, I took the mommy as, Mommy? Like, he gets the picture of Deathstroke. And I'm trying to think if there's anything I saw in the previous issues that would lead me to believe that Hosun doesn't know he's working for the Terminator. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's where I, it lost me a little. Yeah, so that was that was a little confused. It's look, it's not a great jumping on point. And apparently, even if you've read all the issues, because I've read some of them drunk, mm-hmm. uh, there, there are things in there that are you know, a, a little bit, huh? What, what is that? But yeah, again, just to see Superman squirm and Jericho at least almost fall to his death. <laughs> right, right. I mean, Hosan's not Lewis, right? Or Luis, Pat's kid. No, no, so. no. I think I think that character is is with Rose, right? Yeah. So I'm I I don't know I don't know the Hosan thing. Yeah, that's that's all part of Adeline's plans within plans. Oh, I'll put this man next to Rose so that you know, he's got her heart in his hands. Don't worry, Jericho will save you, Rose. 
Do you feel reassured? <laughs> no. No, and half the time the scenes that Jericho are in with Rose seem creepy like they might fuck. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's that. There's a real unfortunate flowers in the attic vibe there. <laughs> yeah. But I still like the book. I like the book. Yeah. But it's okay. <laughs> At least they can communicate because Jericho's new power is Bluetooth. <laughs> they got my dick message. <laughs> so yeah, it's this has been a good book. If you're a fan of Deathstroke at all as an old school, not vigilante, mercenary. Yes. Uh, with the espionage elements, there's a lot to inform this. And yeah, just again, to see how Superman gets manipulated by Adeline, that alone is worth buying this issue if just to sort of get your feet wet, even if it's like, I'm not sure what's going on. New arc, I think, starts next issue. You know, if Adeline could get him to do that in just, you know, nine panels, it would, or 12 panels, 12 panels. Yeah. It would seem to me that Amanda Waller would have him under her thumb constantly. Oh, he'd be vacuuming her house. Wash my car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> do your effing job. <laughs> you pin the S to your chest. I don't want to buy a new jackhammer or jack handle. <laughs> jack up my car. <laughs> so. So. <laughs> Deep cleansing breath, baby. Yeah, this has been a weird show. I, I apologize for... I feel like I've been ranting and repeating myself. Is this it's leftover just, Thanksgiving rage that was supposed to be directed somewhere at some point? It's possible, but, you know, <laughs> my, my folks are elsewhere, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about all our voting habits at Christmas. But, Hold on. <laughs> no, it's, it's... I'm so disappointed with Civil War Two, and I just really feel like they've... You know, I I put Captain Marvel on my pull list the minute Kelly Sue DeConnick put it. It's I like the character, and to fuck it up this hard, and and to take eight months of my fucking life. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm really pissed off. You, so you have are, are allowed. <laughs> I know, but you know, people pay good bandwidth money to listen to the show. I like to have you know a jaunty cock joke now and again. A jaunty cock joke, exactly. <laughs> I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> Don't write Jaunty Cock Joke. We'll never get that as a title past <laughs> iTunes. But, but no, it's, it's, it's been really disappointing to me in the way that events uh, an event has not in a long time. And I think it's killed characters. that it's, Look, it's comics. They'll come back. Yeah. But it's taken characters off the board that didn't need to be taken off the board for shock value and really fucked up uh, a solid character that had moved rightfully to the A-list. Yeah. And wasted a lot of my time and money doing it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, (laughs) season 11. (laughs) Issue number one, written by Christos Gage, art by Rebecca Isaacs. Yeah, we're doing this again. (laughs) But this time there's a dragon. This time there's a dragon. And and this time Buffy is in on it. She makes a very pointed comment that everybody is moving on with their lives and in positive ways and she's doing the same thing she's been doing since she was 15. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I'm glad we're ending on this because of all the books we've talked about this one I'm feeling the most positive about which I did not think I would because my initial reaction when this was in with my polls was like oh god another goddamn season of Buffy because yeah, most of the post TV seasons have not worked for me. No. Um for a few reasons, but one of the simplest ones is they're just too long. Yes. Yeah, they're 24, 30 issues. Yeah, like it's a TV series. Right, which is fine when they're weekly and everything is under the strong hand of a showrunner and you've got just 
you know, maybe three or four writers, but everybody is working, you know, sort of together right. uh, in a writer's room. And you don't get that with comics. The reality of a comic series is, yeah, creators come and go on some arcs. Yep. So the consistency of a TV season just isn't going to be there. You'll have two issues that look and feel very different. Mm-hmm. So, and, and normally with a regular comic series, that's when you check out. It's like, I don't like this creative team. I'm going to come back when they're done. Yeah. Um, or even with a TV series, if it starts getting into, you know, waters where you're like, huh, gee, I don't know about that version of Ghost Rider. I think I'm going to watch this other thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that's the thing. The 30 issues of comics, you're talking an epic interconnected story that you've got to follow for years. You're talking two and a half years, at least two years. And, you know, if you think of a TV show like Game of Thrones or Lost, if you miss one or two or decide, I don't like this, and you try to come back in two or three episodes – you might as well just give up on the show. And that's what I found happened with most of the Buffy seasons. We'd get some arc or some sub story or some group of creators where it's like, this is not working for me. So I'd see the next issue in the pulls and it would make its way to the bottom of the pile and I'd miss it. Yep. Or I'd read half of it and be like, I'll come back to this. And then when a new creative team comes on, it's like, great, but I don't know what's happening. And it's like, all right, now I got to find these other issues and I just don't do it. And, the books would come in the polls and go unread. Yeah. That was my initial reaction. Like, oh, great, season 11. This, however, is promising for a few reasons. Uh, the first is Gage and Isaacs being the main creative force. Now, they also were last year, but they were uh, in when we first started the website, uh, when they did season eight, I think, right? No, season nine. Nine. Uh, they were the ones doing... Angel and Faith. Yes. Which was stronger than Buffy season nine. Yes. So I, I think they're the right team to be doing this book. But the main thing is this season, 12 issues. I can do 12 issues. I can maintain and follow. Because number one, you're not going to have wildly jumping in. Right. You know, uh, eight different creative teams. Well, it, And it keeps the story tighter. If you're going to do it over 12 issues and then done, that there's less of an opportunity to go off on weird tangents Right. And bring in unnecessary story points that muddy the issue. Yes. So yeah, it keeps everything tighter, keeps it followable, and it's throwing down a big mark on the ground saying, okay, we're going to start big with a dragon yes. and the federal government getting involved. And let's face it, if, <clears throat> when you consider Angel, which had one of the great TV finales of all time, yes. ending on... I'm going to battle the dragon. It makes a statement to have a buppy, a buppy, buffy season. <laughs> Where Bup- she opens with, I'm going, to, I'm going to battle the dragon. Yeah. However, I must admit, it gave me pause to see the federal government wanting to get involved because, uh, and I think it's, it's fallout from life and Civil War too. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. So can I, can I please just have a comic book that is about fun fantasy things? <laughs> It's it's part of the nature of where the story has gone over two or three comic seasons. If we're going to reach the point where it's pretty commonly accepted that the supernatural is a thing in the world. Yes. And that at least at the local level, if the Scooby gang can work with the cops as not even unefficient. Like, oh, yeah, They're consulting. Yeah. We, yeah. You're, you're our consultants to deal with this shit. Yeah. It's a, they're, they're the... Uh... Sherlock and Watson of <laughs> supernatural crimes. Right. To have 
uh, a dragon attack a major American city is an act of war from something, and the federal government would get involved. I, I don't disagree, but it was just uh, after the whole book to get to that page, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and I can understand that. I, I didn't have quite the same reaction. I probably should have because I, I did the math, you know, season 12. Uh, considering when the TV season ended, uh, yeah, this is canonically 2007. So yeah, of course it's Bush and Cheney. Yeah. So it's like I really don't want to revisit that. And also, you know, if this is season 12 and it ended season seven, so this is five years. Well, this is season 11. Season so 11. I'm sorry. Four years. Four years. Which would make her what 26 now or something? Uh well, season three she graduated. Yeah. So 19 in season four, 20 in season five, 21 in six. 22 in seven. 23 in eight, 24 in nine. I was told there'd be no math. So yeah, 26. Okay. Look at me doing math. <laughs> I've had a couple beers. I, I literally, I'm lucky I didn't have to but pull 20, my 26 out. is, you know, the, about the time in your life where you start having to make some decisions about things. And it's, you know, you're... You're four or five years out of college if you've gone that route at that point. You're watching perhaps some of your friends begin to get married, settle down, have kids, get a straight job. <laughs> it was wrong and you knew it! <laughs> and for, for some people, it takes much longer to, to decide that they're going to go the straight route and they start to feel alienated and, and as though they don't have anything in, in common with those with whom they used to be close. And I think that this is the path that Buffy is beginning to go down. This is <laughs> because she talks about how, you know, everything is going great for everyone around her, but you know, in her mind, she's feeling unsettled about something. Well, there is something deeply unrealistic about the idea of, yep, I'm 26 and I still not only hang out with, but even talk to all my high school friends. Yeah. Uh, I talked to uh, one of my high school friends. <laughs> I talk to none of my high school friends. Yeah, it's uh, people uh, grow up and move on, and yeah, they take very different paths. I've got you know, yeah a lot of friends, even college friends who I've kind of fallen out of touch with. You know, I'd taken a bullet for them in 1992, mm-hmm. and in a couple paces did some violence for them in 1993. <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, if if you're gonna live where uh, a statement like this, where's my whiskey funnel? Really, kind of applies to your life, and other people are getting married and having kids. Yeah, there's not a lot to talk about on a day to day basis at that point, right? I, I think I can see where you're going. That maybe that's a possibility of yeah, seeing because see, I saw it more as okay. Now the soap opera element is potentially in full effect because everybody is happy and paired off, and now we can start fucking with that to get the soap opera drama that the show always kind of had. But I was also thinking, you know, at this point, all the fan shippers, everybody's basically with just about every, you know, you can't have Spike and Buffy break up every six months. Because at right. some point, Spike is going to say, we were on a break, and I will be done with the Buffyverse at that point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe there's something to it of splitting off certain members saying, you know, this is just not what we do anymore. Yeah. So there, there could be something interesting there. Please let it be done. Please let it be done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big stake in the ground saying, okay, yep, we're all together and we're all happy and now there's a dragon attack and this is going to reach a federal war level. You know, in, in <clears throat> excuse me, in the tight con- confines of 12 issues with limited numbers of creative teams, I'm actually really looking forward to a Buffy comic season for the first time since 8 
when eight kind of went off the rails. That's the one thing I'm concerned about. If you're going to start with, yes, there's a dragon in the sky. Part of why season eight went off the rails was, <laughs> okay, we have a zero special effects budget and can do whatever we want. So yeah, let's do big stuff. And it really kind of got away from the human story. Right. As opposed to this less end magic thing. So it's there's some potential risk there. We'll see where it goes, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. But it's it's um it's a bold statement to to fire a dragon across the bow, as it were. <laughs> yes, this one will be more toward the front of my must read, at least for at least for a couple months. We'll see how they how it plays out. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? How are we doing on time? Uh, it's uh, roughly an hour ten. I take a couple of minutes just to talk about this uh, eighty after death book. Uh, yeah, but just a couple of minutes because I didn't reread it today. Okay, uh, just because of time constraints, uh, I I did find it interesting. So yeah, it's a AD after death book one. It's a big oversized book, not even not even prestige format, like bigger than that. Yeah, and uh, by, uh, written by Scott Snyder with uh, art by Jeff Lemire. And it's it's a fascinating book. I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> it's it's part comic book, part sort of illustrated oversized novel. And and Lemire's art is is quirky, and it it seems to sort of vacillate between um, ink sketches and watercolor washes, and it gives it this sort of fantastical dystopian <laughs> quality. Yeah, it's a. I really don't know what's going on in this. It's and part of part of that is exciting, and that Scott Snyder is giving us credit for. We'll get to all of it. Yeah, clearly a world has been built. But he's not spending a ton of time on world building for us. Right. There's a little bit of background. Apparently, people are immortal and cycle through different. But there's also large chunks of of the planet that are no longer inhabitable. Yeah. So something has happened, and the protagonist at least thinks that he is part of the reason that it happened. And we got big chunks of yeah, just prose pages with some illustrations talking about his memories of the world before, which are very mundane and you know traveling with family and shoplifting as a kid but also yeah these actual comic stories of okay we cycle through these different postings existences it's not really clear yeah but yeah you go someplace and you're there for x number of years with a certain number of people and this protagonist feels he has a mission to bring things back to the way they were before that's not really explained so yeah but as a child he was sort of obsessed with the idea of death and and now he's living in a world where there is no death and feels that that's not a natural state of things because it's not. <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting and interesting in the sense that Snyder yeah, has talked about he's got some anxiety issues in his life and clearly that kind of permeates this character because mm-hmm. you know, he feels compelled to record and journal just in case he loses people in his life. Right. So it's a, there's a lot emotionally going on, but yeah, it's there is a world that has been built and it has not yet been explained. Just bits and pieces are coming, and clearly everybody has confidence. You'll figure it out as you have more. It's tricky because uh, I don't was this like a seven eight dollar book? I don't even remember because uh, it's big. Six it's six dollars. Okay, five ninety nine. So yeah, this is it's a magazine sized book. It is, and it may be something where frankly maybe you want to wait until the trade and the whole thing is there. But it was. But if you're looking for something different, if you want to take a break from the awfulness that is Civil War II. <laughs> yeah, it was it was dense. 
This is not like yeah. a, I'm taking a dump reading a comic book kind of thing. It's a, no, peace off half an hour. Give yourself. Yeah, just sit down and, and pour over it and take it in. Go back and reread parts of it because you're going to need to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And just, just, just ponder with it for a bit. <laughs> yes. Spend, spend your six bucks on this. Not on fucking Civil War two. <laughs> Let's fuck up a perfectly good hero for no reason at all. God damn it. Really disappointed by Civil War too. Bendis could pull it out in the the last inning. At this point, this is what his fourth event. Yes, uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm not holding out a lot of fucking hope. Last time gave us Norman Osborn. Actually, no. Last time gave us time is fracturing and fucking Secret Wars. God damn it! Fucking. How do you really feel? <sighs> do you do you need a cookie? <laughs> I need another beer. Okay. All right. Anything else? Or no, wanna, I think we're, we're good. Well, why don't we wrap it up? All okay. right. So not sure where you found this particular episode, uh, but you can always find us uh, mostly much uh, more rage-free at our <laughs> home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. Uh, you can certainly send us a message there, uh, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We're on Twitter. Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. We are on Tumblr. Crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. If that's how you get your podcasts, you can certainly subscribe to us through there. Uh, or if you get a minute, give us a rating, give us a review. It helps new people find the show. We are on TuneIn Radio. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can always send us an email, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think I got all of them that time. I think time. you got all of them. And so we will, we will leave you to your Thanksgiving leftovers if you are over here in the United States. And if not, we'll leave you to whatever other leftovers you have in your fridge <laughs> elsewhere in the world. Um, next week, we hope to be back with more jaunty cock jokes. <laughs> and good. and whatever rage will be hopefully channeled into um, cheerful descriptions of penises and, <laughs> and and how to draw a cock and balls, perhaps, on Carol Danvers' forehead. I don't... <laughs> he says that he's an a-hole, but he's not, and I'm quoting him here... 100% a dick. There you go. All right. So. <laughs> this has been episode, what, 134? Yes. Of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. Thank you for listening. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thanks, and, uh, and derp. <laughs> I'm just afraid I'll start yelling about Civil War II again. Then, then no mas. No mas. <laughs> <laughs>